Hi, this is Nate and Judd from Gut Punch and Born Blind, and you're listening to our chapter of As the Story Grows. Welcome to the next chapter of As the Story Grows. I'm Brian Patton. Hey guys, it's been a minute. Um, definitely didn't mean for there to be a lull in between podcast episodes. Uh, I had one week where I had guests scheduled Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and through a variety of reasons, all episodes got canceled. Every scheduled recording got canceled. Uh, some were my fault, some were guest fault. Um, but we were not able to make any of those recordings happen. And then we've just not been able to get anybody else to come on the show in that time frame. Um, and, and it sucks. I know a lot of you saw my Instagram story or my Facebook post giving the finger about endlessly emailing people all the time. Um, but here we are. We're, we are back on track. We're back on schedule. We got things lined up. Hopefully the podcast will go on this week. Super excited to have Judd Morgan and Nate Jarrell from Gut Punch. They were formerly in the band Born Blind and both did time in No Innocent Victim. It's a great episode talking about their history in the Christian hardcore scene, the start of Face Down Records, being on Solid State, and their brand new band Gut Punch. They put out an EP in January. The link to that will be in the show notes. And I hope you guys enjoy this week's episode with Gut Punch. I was trying to, to look up some uh, background information um, and, and the best and worst place for information sometimes is Wikipedia. So, Nate, were you in uh, No Innocent Victim at any point? Um, I think it says that on Wikipedia. Uh, I, I don't really consider that I was really in No Innocent Victim. I was supposed to at one point join No Innocent Victim. Um, and that sort of was how Born Blind culminated because Judd was in No Innocent Victim. He played bass for No Innocent Victim um, on the No Compromise. Maybe I should let him talk about all that, but on the No Compromise record and toured with them a fair amount. And then their guitar player, Corey, was going to be leaving at one point, and I was playing in a band called Disengage, hardcore band here in San Diego, um, and we played quite a bit with, with No Innocent Victim and so knew Judd and those guys from that and um, had been asked to join No Innocent Victim at that point and did a rehearsal or two with them. And then it turned out that a tour got booked that I couldn't do. Um, and sort of the same thing happened uh, on Judd's end. And so that was sort of the start of Born Blind because we out of that ended up starting Born Blind when the two of us didn't end up doing that tour with No Innocent Victim. Gotcha. Um, 
so let's we'll we'll back up how did each of you uh individually get into music and uh maybe more specifically hardcore uh for me personally this is judd uh i was in high school didn't really even know what a bass guitar was and i think it was around 86 or 87 i saw metallica the cliff and mall (laughs) video and I saw Cliff Burton, and uh, I, I was like, that's a bass guitar, oh my gosh, and listen to the way it sounds, and that sounds crazy, and I just wanted to, that's who I just tried to emulate was, you know, Cliff Burton, and then later on it was like uh, Steve Harris from Iron Maiden, Lemmy from Motorhead, and all those guys. I had to have a, when I was in high school, I had to have a Rickenbacker bass, and I <laughs> try to emulate a lot of the styles from those guys and uh, got into hardcore I guess because I mean just listening to a lot of different bands in junior high and high school DRI, Minor Threat Voivod, Metallica Anthrax you know just a whole gamut of things um, SOD you know at, at a young age and um it was just like a culmination. Hardcore is kind of a culmination of everything I liked. So, um, I guess on, on my end, I somewhat similar. Like, got into metal first in junior high, um, and that's when I started playing guitar. Um, and so I was into most of those bands that Judd mentioned, um, you know, Metallica and Slayer, and all the things you get into in that era. And then. Um, uh, in in junior high, a friend of mine's older brother took a uh, couple of us to a show at a venue that's still going here in San Diego called the Shea Cafe, kind of legendary all ages Southern California hardcore and punk venue. Um, and so that was my first like venture to a hardcore show. Um, and then it wasn't really until probably a little after that in high school when I really sort of discovered all of that more. Um, I had a friend who got me into a bunch of bands uh, like Judge and, um, you know, Judge and Youth of Today and Gorilla Biscuits and Sick of It All and all the, the East Coast New York stuff is kind of what I got into first and then discovered a lot of the stuff that was going on here um, and bands like Inside Out and, and all the stuff that was going on in Southern California. And then sort of after the fact, got into a lot of stuff that had happened in San Diego, um, like Amenity and... Um, Unbroken and House of Suffering and those bands that were around kind of the early San Diego hardcore scene um, and kind of just dove in headfirst from there. That's cool. How did, when did you guys first start playing in bands? Uh, for me, I was in thrash metal bands in high school, actually. I was in a band called okay. Judgment. Uh, we actually played a lot with like Deliverance, Vengeance Rising, Crucified bands like of that nature it was a pretty big band for how old we were um like 15 and 16 stuff like that so that was my first i guess jump into the doing band things was pretty pretty young 15 14 maybe yeah i think i think started at 14 played my first show when i was like 15 that's cool and that you that was with like uh christian metal band so you were aware of like a, a christian scene happening it was big at the time it was huge you know those yeah. shows like we play with uh i think i remember the f- day i got my first car i had a little toyota pickup truck i remember that day i got it we played 
with Tourniquet, I think Deliverance and the Crucified, and there was probably 5,000 kids at that show. It was wow. big, 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 big at that time. Those shows were at this place here in town called Kit Carson Park. It's like a big outdoor park. And this church would put those shows on, and they were like huge, like tons of people would come out to those shows. So oh, that's cool. It was, it was definitely, definitely a scene going on at that time. And I got my first band, um, or real band. I was in a hardcore band called Disengage, um, and we that was same thing. I was 15 when we started that, I think, and then that went all through high school and just after. Um, and we played a lot of a lot of hardcore shows in town here. We played with quite a bit with a there's a band called Built to Last, um, which is probably that might be where I first encountered Judd actually um, before in a No Innocent Victim because Judd um, and Jason Dunn, who now owns Face Down Records and was in No Innocent Victim, both played in that band, um, which was a hardcore band here in town. Um, and my band would play with them a fair amount, and then um, we also played a lot with No Innocent Victim, and at the time, like POD, who's from San Diego, we did a lot of shows with them back then before they kind of blew up huge. Um, yeah. But then just other, other, uh, lots of other just random hardcore shows and bands who were coming through town that we would open for and stuff like that, and so that was my first entrance into it. Um, and there was a big scene back then, like shows had a lot of kids at them, um, and a lot of different places and stuff, and it was, a, it was kind of a good time. That's cool. Was that your... Judd, was that your in with No Innocent Victim playing with Tim? Um, my, let's see, I've, it's kind of weird how <laughs> everything gets entangled. Like I said, going back to high school, I was in a thrash metal band called Judgment, and then Jason Moody, singer from No Innocent Victim, was in a, another, th- he was a singer of this thrash metal band called The Militia. And we all went to church together. So we kind of were all, we all kind of knew each other and we're all kind of doing different things. And then, you know, he ended up joining No Instant Victim. And I was doing, I think, other things at the time. And then it just so happened, oh, you know, we needed, at the time when they needed a bass player, it was, they asked me to play. So just kind of like knowing people from very, very young (laughs) and then growing up, you know, together. And speaking yeah. of knowing people from very, very, very young, uh, Kurt, who is our drummer in Gut Punch now, who was the drummer for Born Blind, um, was sort of like the the parent of that whole scene. So he's 20 years older than the rest of us. So he is still playing hardcore. He's 63 years old. Um, and, wow. And just, just still slamming through this. But he was the he started uh, was the original drummer from No Innocent Victim before Jason um, was in there. Uh, and so he was, he was around all of that whole, whole thing, um, and was a big part of that. And sort of everybody would knew, knew Kurt through all of that as well. So we kind of all just, um, were part of this little unit of people in town here that were around each other and ended up in different bands. Yeah. And Kurt was kind of like the youth pastor. He did it something on Sunday afternoons or evenings called the study. And it's like, usually had at least one person from every big Christian band that went to the study. So we kind of all knew each other. We all kind of like found our people through that. (laughs) So everybody just kind of knew everybody. Wow. That's amazing. That's crazy. That's awesome that he's uh, in his 60s still playing hardcore shows. (laughs) (laughs) 
and still slamming just as much as ever. He's kind of the ageless wonder, um, Kurt. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's still, I mean, he, he still, you know, looks about like he did when we were in Born Blind, and he's still just killing it as always. Yeah. That, that's awesome. Judd, did you, uh, I, I meant to go and pull out my CDs and look through liner notes. Did you do any uh, recording with NIV? Yeah, I recorded it on No Compromise album. Okay. Uh, not the greatest quality. <laughs> what happened at that album, I think, is uh, we were on Rescue Records at the time, <laughs> and uh, they said they had no money for us to record. They were kind of broke, I guess, and so we ended up uh, calling up a buddy of ours and... Um, ended up recording a lot of that. Well, recorded the drums in my parents' house and then wow. recorded the rest of that album in a, in a bedroom. And, you know, <laughs> home recording wasn't what it was, what it is today. You know, you can do a lot more with a home recording, I guess. It's kind of in its initial stages at that time. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nine- 97 what like a four track tape recorder or adat but <laughs> it was an a yeah it was an adat it oh was an adat and a guy that wasn't you know that wasn't very familiar with recording drums and i think <laughs> he tried to tape oh the drums are ringing so he kept trying to tape them down and tape them down so if you listen to that record you, the drums sound like you're hitting I, like uh, they just sound like you're hitting cardboard boxes or something like that. They just, <laughs> <laughs> it just, I guess it is what it is, you know. So you said the reason you guys left NIV and started Born Blind was basically because you couldn't tour. Uh, is that, that that correct, I guess? I think it's different for Nate and I. I was actually in Tulsa. Uh, I was on tour with No Innocent Victim and P.O.D. And I asked Jason Moody, what do we got? After this, he said, we're off for two weeks. Then we got two weeks up the West Coast with Living Sacrifice. And then we're off for six months. And I said, well, I got a job to go back to. (laughs) You know, like they were kind of, they were really nice about letting me leave for like a month or here or there. But, you know, like if I came back and said, well, I'll be back for two weeks and then I'm going to be gone for another two weeks. They wouldn't have been so happy about that. So I was pretty much told them I couldn't do the two-week tour with Living Sacrifice. And uh, when I got home from that tour of the POD, he said, no hard feelings, but we're going to pick somebody else so we can stay on tour. So yeah. that's kind of my story with the whole thing and going, okay, you know, what, what are you going to do? You know, I think for Nate, uh, not to, I think I kind of talked to Nate and I said, they're going to go back on tour. Can you do that? 
if not, maybe we can start something else. So I, I think that's that's how I recall it. Yeah, and I was I was going to school too. I was taking classes and stuff at the time, and so I would have had to drop a, a fair amount of that um, when that one got booked, and and so um, that was sort of the the beginnings of Born Blind, and then Judd and I went searching for people to put that together with. That's cool, and it was just kind of natural to to reach out to Kurt because you'd played with him and knew him already. Yeah, I, I think the first time I talked to Kurt, he said no, and then I said, we really need you, Kurt, and he came back <laughs> and said yes, and then we got Chris uh, Aquavella, who was ended up being the bass player. I was never supposed to be the singer of that band. Um, I was supposed to be the bass player. And we tried out, as far as I recall, we tried out a couple people and I said, you know, I think I can do a better job than that. I remember the first show we played, I played bass and did vocals. And we knew we kind of, I think we kind of realized we needed a separate singer. So Chris ended up going to bass and I just ended up going to vocals. Yeah, Chris was originally playing second guitar. So we had two guitars just for one show. And then then that (laughs) switched up. What was it like making that transition from bass to frontman? I'd done it a couple, like I'd played bass and did vocals a couple of times. When they told me you can just take the bass off, it was like absolute freedom at the time. Like, yeah. you mean I can just jump around and go crazy with this mic in my hand? I'm like, this is insane, you know? I was 20 some odd years old, like in great shape, and I'm like, man, now I can just fly, <laughs> you know? I'll just be all over the place. So it was... That's- absolute freedom i think you know yeah yeah and i i assume your your connection with face down records just came from your relationship with jason and no innocent victim and he was starting the label and it just made sense yeah we were the first full-length release i believe on face down before that he just put out a couple seven inches um and so we we were i'm pretty positive the first full-length that he put out um, and then obviously now face down is blowing up into, into what it is. But at the time it was, you know, Jason running it out of his bedroom, um, here. And he was only, I mean, he's younger than I am. Um, so I don't remember exactly how old he was, but Jason was pretty young when he started that. 17. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. He just said, Hey, I like you guys. I'd like to put you on our label. So we're like, okay, I don't remember exactly how much discussion we had about it, but you know, it just it kind of made sense at the time. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, just kind of like a handshake deal. Uh. Yeah, and there was well, there was actually there was actually a contract, but it was pretty limited. I mean, there was no budget for recording or anything. Like we paid for the recording and he put out the he put out the record. Um so and as I recall, it the the you know, the contract was he puts out the record and we get a certain number of free CDs to sell. And that was pretty much, pretty much it. Like that was, you know, very, uh, very do it yourself beginnings of a hardcore label type of situation. Yeah. Were you guys, uh, touring on that record around that time? Not really. Um, I mean, we were playing throughout, we were playing like, I guess local touring sort of, we were playing throughout Southern California and playing in Arizona and playing in places that were like, you know, within, you know, a, a, a day's drive or a few hours drive of us, but we hadn't made our way. Well, I, the the farthest we got, we did play Cornerstone that year. 
um, that that came out, but we went straight to Cornerstone and came back home. Um, so that, that there wasn't like a real tour on that record, but we were playing a lot throughout Southern California. So up in LA and Orange County and going out to Phoenix and going up to, you know, a little farther up California and things for shows and stuff. So it was more out of town, but more local. Cool. Cool. And then how did you guys wind up with solid state records? Um, we were thinking that we did want to do a little more touring and get a little more distribution. Cause at the time people now think of face down as being pretty huge, but at the time it, it didn't have as nearly as much of a reach cause it was the very beginnings of it. Um, yeah. And so we just sent stuff off to, to solid state and I got in touch with them. And, um, as far as I remember, bill power got back to us pretty quick, like, and they wanted to do it. And, and that was how that happened. And, um, ended up on a phone call with Brandon and and did all that stuff and recorded one for all. Was it just a, a one album deal or did you guys break up before you could finish that uh, contract? No, we definitely broke up before we finished that contract. It was like a five <laughs> or six album deal. <laughs> we did one. We did one and then that was it. <laughs> no, man. Do you, I, I, I was just thinking about this earlier today. Do you wonder if in hindsight uh, the move to solid state was... Um, whether that played into breaking up or not, but like if it was the wrong move given the acts they had at the time versus what would be coming for face down or was it just, it just made sense at the time. And I think it really, I mean, for me, um, this Judd talking for me, I, it wouldn't have made a difference that much. Um, okay. there's a lot of problems I was having. I was struggling a lot with my faith um, toward the end of the whole thing. And I was, I don't know, I kind of, <laughs> some of the lyrics I wrote were definitely in response to, I was tired of being, I guess, not restricted, but I was tired of the, oh, I saw Judd drinking a beer. He's, you know, this or that. Or I saw Judd, you know, doing this or that. I was tired of the re restrictiveness and just like the religiosity of of the whole thing and i yeah. was just struggling with my faith a lot at the time and kind of yeah just struggling with it and the preaching and and stuff like that um i was going to college at the time and just had a lot of thoughts going along in my mind and i was just kind of yeah i think when we've we recorded one for all i was having a lot of struggles with christianity things of that nature so that was a really big era obviously for this stuff because um, there was a lot of you know that was the height of well i mean i don't know if it was the height of it but it was you know tooth and nail and solid state and all that stuff had gotten really big and 
Um, yeah, but there's a lot of there's a lot of weird things that come along with playing in a Christian band, <laughs> and right. expectations, and and there were like you know we were playing a lot of just regular hardcore shows, but then there were also all the like church shows and stuff, and you show up in some town and and what people you know somebody's expecting is going to happen or whatever. It's just it's a strange thing, and the like unspoken rules of what you can and can't do and say and all the stuff that <laughs> goes along with that. So I think for a lot of people probably from that era, it was slightly, um, you know, just, just a weird thing to figure out how to sort all that out. Um, and, and then 20 years later, you know, people change and people are different and people have different views of the world and you've experienced more stuff. And, um, you know, so it was, it was a really fun era and I've got really great memories of it. And there were also some kind of weird things that went along with it. Yeah. No, I was just curious. I was just thinking about this today, listening back to some of those records, because I remember being a big fan of pressing on and liking that record and you guys signing to Tooth and Nail, Solid State, and being like, oh, this will be big for them, like better budget, more marketing, like all yada, yada, yada. But thinking about it in hindsight going, the records that were huge on Solid State in that era were not that like New York sound southern california hardcore like that straightforward uh, hardcore sound it was more technical and metal and i was like oh, maybe it wasn't the the best move at the time but i also know like doing doing this podcast from so many bands jason from overcome and tim from focused and uh jeff from unashamed all of them were like oh no we had no intention of doing this christian scene we just wanted to be on a regular hardcore label and be a hardcore band yeah, I think that's, I mean, I think the same for us. We didn't come up, like, I didn't grow up actually listening to any, the, the, the hardcore I got into was not like this Christian hardcore thing. Like it was, yeah. you know, it was all the bands anybody who's into hardcore gets into. So, um, you know, I, I think I was, I think all of us were just as happy just to be in the hardcore band and in a hardcore scene. And the hardcore scene at that in the 90s too had a crazy mix of stuff going on. I mean, there was like, you had like Shelter who like you had the Krishna band thing and you had obviously all the vegan and straight edge stuff and you had regular old, you know, hardcore bands and you had all, like all kinds of stuff and everybody sort of just played together and it was this whole community and the general philosophy behind all of it, I think was fairly similar. And, you know, not to say that people didn't disagree about things or whatever, but um, so yeah, I don't think, it, I don't, I don't think we were thinking of it that way. And I think we probably would have done fairly well had we continued. There were just, things that as in many bands stories um you know just it was time for that to probably end and and kurt at the time you know kurt uh we were all in our 20s kurt was in his 40s and um you know he wasn't wanting to tour and stuff and do as much anymore either and so i think he was the first one to actually bail out um and then we tried to kind of keep it going for a little bit and then it didn't didn't quite continue on um, after that. Um, and, uh, so it's, it's just sort of the way it all, way it all happened. But I, I love that record. I'm, I'm still really proud of how that album turned out. And, and, uh, you know, Chris, um, is a great musician and he still is, he lives in Germany now, plays completely different music. Um, <laughs> him and I took rather <laughs> different paths musically for a little while after, after Born Blind, but he wrote a lot of the stuff on that record. And those are, I really like those songs and, every once in a while when I throw it on still still like that record 
Yeah, yeah, no, I think both those records, both Pressing On and uh, One For All are, are excellent. I've always loved the artwork for One For All too. I've always thought it would make a killer tattoo. I've not done it actually, yet. It was a, <laughs> actually, it was a tattoo first. It's on my leg. Um, oh, nice. It was <laughs> the guy that did a bunch of my tattoos back then. His name's Morgan Pennypacker, but he, uh, it was, that was a tattoo first, and then he did a painting of it for the album cover. <laughs> So did you guys do anything musically in between the, what, 16, 17, 18 year span between Born Blind and Gut Punch? Uh, yeah, we did. Maybe you want to go first. And- um, what did I do? I had a band, you know, well, there was a lot of different paths. I ended up uh, teaching, going to college, finishing teaching, moving to Arizona, and while I was in Arizona, I started fiddling around with guitar, and I really got into like old school country, and uh, oh, yeah. started writing these songs. Oh, yeah. Started writing these songs, and uh, kind of like old school country. I'm like, oh, I want to mix this with punk with punk rock, and I started a band called the Tramplers for a while, and it was like country meets punk rock, and that did pretty well for me for a while. <laughs> and then, yeah, you know, just. Uh, you know, I started getting older too, and like playing with punk rock dudes that want to do punk rock things, like crazy punk rock things. And I'm like, I just getting too old to do this. You know, <laughs> like, uh, the, the drama, like, <laughs> it'd be the next morning. Did you hear what your bass player did? I'm like, oh, geez, I don't want to deal with this anymore. <laughs> so that kind of that kind of went by the wayside. But that was I was doing that from like you know about four years. That's pretty much my only real endeavor into music uh, for myself. And then I went in a pretty uh, pretty different direction after Born Blind. Um, and I went back to school and um, ended up getting a music degree. So I've got a, a master's degree in jazz studies and played jazz for a living for, um, for quite a while. Um, and then I, I teach as well. Judd and I are both teachers and I'm a high school music teacher. Um, so I teach jazz band and recording arts and I have a rock band class and um, and uh, so it was playing pretty different music um, for quite a long time Um, and then Chris same story Chris actually funny interesting thing the direction we all ended up in but he was a bass player in a hardcore band but then he also was playing mandolin ended up going to England and getting a music degree playing classical mandolin um, which he still does for a living. He composes classical music, and he uh, lives in Germany now. Uh, married a, a woman there from Germany, um, who's also a musician, and uh, and so we we all took some pretty varied musical paths, but still still all through all of that, um, you know, loved all of the stuff we grew up on, so hardcore and punk rock and going to shows and all that, and still doing that, but playing pretty different music for quite a while. What brought you back together to uh, form Gut Punch? <laughs> Dude, I'll take some of this. <laughs> That's a pretty funny story. So Chris was here 
visiting and I kind of came back full circle. I'm back here living. I'm in Escondido again, uh, where we kind of all start, where it all kind of started, you know, and, um, Chris came to visit. Nate came up to, you know, when Chris came up to visit from Germany, we're at my house and I said, you know what? Kurt lives right down the street. And they're like, Oh yeah. And I said, yeah. I said, I've seen him like once or twice. So we're like, let's go over there and say hi. So all the three of us go over to Kurt's house, and he's literally sitting in the garage watching TV. And we said, you know what? We should do a Born Blind, uh, Born Blind reunion show. We should say, too, he had no idea we were coming over. We just showed up at his house. <laughs> we just showed up. <laughs> and, and he looks up in the rafters, and he goes, well, uh, I'd have to get my drums down. They've been up there for about uh, 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, wow. we'll get them down. Let's do this. <laughs> and that's so we did a couple born blind reunion shows. Uh, Chris went back to Germany, and the rest of us kind of said, "Man, maybe we could keep this going." You know, I'm having fun. So <laughs> that was pretty much it. Was there any reason not to use the born blind name going forward? Is, is like, um, was there a reason to change it up? There's, you know, there's three of us that were in Born Blind. We kind of, I mean, without, without Chris doing it, we don't really want to call it Born Blind because, you know, he lives okay. on the other side of the planet now. And then, and then also we weren't, uh, we just wanted to just do a hardcore band. So there's sort of the, the, the Christian band attachment to doing that band. And so we just wanted to do a whole new, whole new project. So we've got, um, our bass player, Mitch, um, and then our, we have a second guitar player, Adam, um, who, you know, were not part of Born Blind. And so um, the idea was just to do a whole new thing um, and just have some fun playing playing hardcore again. Gotcha. And, and just to free it up from any stigma of, like, having to be in a specific scene or have an attachment of being part of a scene at one point? Yeah. I mean, not that we're – not that at all. Like, I mean, I have, you know – I'm glad we did all that and we had a great time and it was really cool. But I think the idea was just to do a whole new thing. Um, and also just, it wouldn't without the four of us that were actually born blind, it just wouldn't feel like born blind. So. Gotcha. Yeah, the funny thing about the funny thing about gut punch again, I wanted to come in as the bass player. Again, it's <laughs> <laughs> the same exact this, story this is the, the full circle story. I wanted to come in. I started playing bass and I'm like, yeah, I'm back to playing bass. Well, we couldn't find a vocalist. Every guy that would show up to uh, sing, like they'd either flake out. They mainly just flake out, right? Yeah. Show up, and then they, um, and then we ran into. I ran into Mitch, and he's like, yeah, I, I'm a hardcore bass player. And I'm like, well, I'm like, here we go. <laughs> we gotta go back. <laughs> so we got another bass player, and then I went back straight back to vocals. <laughs> yeah. So that was pretty funny. That's awesome. Uh, Judd, did you write the lyrics for this record, for the EP? Yeah. Yeah, yes. it, it seems like there's more of a uh, socially conscious, uh, more just posy vibe, staying away from maybe direct uh, spiritual, like Christian hardcore lyrics. I, I assume that was intentional from things you've said. I think, you know, mainly the, the biggest thing that happened to me that affected me at hardcore was... Um, I was in Notice and Victim. We showed up at a show to play a show at this place called the Bomb Shelter in Oakland. 
and we're getting out of the motorhome, and these guys, uh, are, you know, a bunch of hard guys from other hardcore bands are like, hey, dude, you're a noticing victim? Come give me a hug. And I'm like, who is this guy? And he's like, oh, I play in a band called Powerhouse. And I'm like, okay. So I give him a hug, and, uh, you know, and he goes, you want a beer? And I'm like, no, I don't drink. That's cool, man, whatever. We're, we're hardcore brothers, you know. And there was a brotherhood. It didn't matter if you were a Christian, straight edge, drinker, partier. You know, we were all in hardcore bands. And that had probably the biggest effect on me as far as what I know that hardcore is mm-hmm. about. It is about unity, no matter what you believe, what you do. You know, that, you know, we're trying to find a commonality despite, you know, what what you might, you know, despite all the disagreements. And I remember in the 90s that the hardcore scene was very, very splintered. We'd show up and we were a Christian band and we we're playing with these vegan straight edge bands and they were mad at us for being Christians, and, <laughs> you know, and. And, uh, you know, and I, that I think what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to, I would like to take what I felt was the positive part of the hardcore scene, which was the unity, no matter what, who, or what you were. I mean, despite if you're a racist, then, then I'm not talking about being a racist or a bigot, but you know, just, you know, the, the commonalities of all different types of dudes that might be into the hardcore scene and coming together yeah so right i think we've all changed a lot over the years too like i none of you know we've got a whole mix of people with different you know from zero you know spiritual anything to you know um still involved in that and things in this band and and so and i don't think any of our worldviews are the same as they were when we were 20 um you know there's there's a lot of things that you know we see differently and um and so there's uh, i think a lot of things that we just don't want to be a part of anymore the same way that we were back then and so that plays into it i think too and aside from kurt sure. I, I tell you kurt kurt plays three church services a week <laughs> and he is a hardcore christian still who accepts us and loves us as we are so <laughs> you know there's a, there's a huge difference of uh, I guess beliefs, you know, going on with this man. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I don't believe things the same as I used to. So it's it's just a part of life, right? <laughs> uh, it it was just it was funny to listen to the the gut punch record first, and then go back to the born blind stuff, and and like notice the contrast in, in lyrical content between the records. That's that's why I asked. Yeah, I think, I mean, social-wise, too, so like you, I mean, Judd writes all, all the lyrics, but, you know, this is, we're living in a interestingly tumultuous time, so I don't yeah. think there's really a better time to be in a hardcore band screaming about things that are a problem, because there's a lot of them right now. So you put out your first EP, came out uh, January of this year. You guys uh, 
just uh, just released a new track. I won't lay down on Bandcamp. You're working on a new EP. Uh, what's what's the future hold? Just more new music. Yeah, I think mainly we're just trying to have fun. Uh, we're trying to progress. I think there's a natural. I don't know if you listen to the first EP we we're putting out. We're just kind of getting started again. Uh, mm-hmm. Throwing some stuff out there, and I think now I, I've I personally think we're all I'm seeing an improvement and just across the board with the music and stuff like that. I think we're finally starting to get warmed up again, you know, after taking quite a few years off, you know? And, uh, so I think, you know, I, I guess our plan is to just get better and write better music and, and, uh, you know, see where, see where it takes you. I mean, you know, we're not obviously planning on going crazy and going on, on tours and stuff like that. We're just, kind of seeing how far we can take it you know i mean judd and i both have kids and we've got full-time everybody's got full-time jobs and we're not going to be like hitting the road for a month here anytime soon but mostly we're just having fun we still love hardcore and still love doing this and and are just having a good time playing shows again and writing music and and doing stuff that we grew up on that we still care about Thanks for listening to As the Story Grows. Our theme song was written and composed by the legendary Bob Nana. If you like what you hear, subscribe on iTunes and give the show a rating and review. If you'd like to support the show financially, click on the Patreon link at asthestorygrows.com. If you enjoyed this episode, share it on social media with your friends. Much appreciated, and thanks for listening. I never felt so young